What's that one thing that's been keeping you up at night, seriously terrifying you about launching your own startup? Hmm. Personally, trying to decide between bootstrapping my startup and outrightly seeking investors or fundraising is something that really gets me thinking. It's definitely one of the major dilemmas, isn't it? You know, both have their merits, but also involve different kinds of risks and rewards. Absolutely. For those who might not know, bootstrapping is when you're using your own resources to fund and grow your business. It allows you to retain total control, and if your business does earn profits, they're all yours. Definitely a very appealing prospect. However, the flip side too is pretty daunting with all your personal resources on the line. True that. And while the alternative, fundraising, opens up a new world of resources, it takes away the sole ownership and can potentially dilute your control over decisions, depending on the terms of the investment. And that's the trade-off. Whichever route you take, it's a calculated risk in the hope of a rewarding future for your business. Each path has their unique challenges and requires certain skills to navigate successfully. It's definitely not a decision to be made lightly. Robert, we must remember how being a bootstrapper necessitates some tough choices, don't you think? Totally, Claudia. Like the choice of not taking a salary, for instance. While initially this may seem like an appealing decision because it helps lower operating costs, but the delayed gratification aspect is tough considering the time and effort entrepreneurs put into their startups. It's a sacrifice that's easier said than done. Yeah, moreover, you need to be prepared to finance more than just your business. A rainy day fund for unforeseen circumstances, ensuring sufficient funds to cover living costs, all these are hard choices. Some view it harsh, but I rather see it as being pragmatic. And not to forget, the relentless pressure to break even, or better yet, to turn a profit. If you're bootstrapping, you're continuously seeking ways to maintain a positive cash flow into your company. You're on constant lookout for cost-cutting measures and a ROI-focused investment strategy. Bootstrapping surely isn't for the faint-hearted. Despite the challenges, bootstrapping also offers some intrinsic benefits, one of which is you retain full control over your company's vision and strategic direction, unhindered by external stakeholders. Isn't it, Robert? Yes, Claudia. When you bootstrap, you are not obliged to meet anyone else's expectations or timelines. The autonomy surely makes it an attractive prospect. Plus, it develops financial discipline and resilience as it forces a startup to focus on essential functions only and prove its value. Proposition fast. Robert, let's explore some of the key strategies for bootstrapping, starting with leveraging personal funds. It's a common way, yes? Absolutely, Claudia. Personal funds include savings, credit cards and even home equity. Correct. And as challenging as it might sound, such an investment often serves as a strong motivation to succeed. It's a high-risk, high-reward scenario indeed. But Claudia, what about more sustainable strategies? Bootstrapping isn't just about surviving on personal funds, right? Definitely, Robert. One strategy is to focus on creating a profitable business model from day one. This way, your business can eventually pay for itself. So, profiting from the get-go and putting cash back into the business, that's like a flywheel effect, isn't it? Yes, revenue reinvestment can indeed sustain and fuel further growth, where possible, constantly seek ways to maximise every dollar of revenue. But Robert, I believe there are certain resources and tools that can help enterprises in this endeavour, don't you think? That's right, Claudia. I don't know the specifics of the tools, but I understand that they help manage finances and operations efficiently, like digital bookkeeping software, budgeting and forecasting tools. Automation and collaboration tools too can help streamline processes, 
improving efficiency. Robert, I agree. Bootstrappers ought to tap into such resources to operate optimally. To add, utilising free or inexpensive tools and services can also be quite beneficial. That's an excellent point, Claudia. To me, bootstrapping seems a lot like a marathon. It's hard and exhausting, but the growth, resilience and control it provides might just make it worthwhile. Well observed, Robert. It forces startups to focus on creating customer value and profitability, strengthening their foundations. Let's talk about some unicorns of bootstrapping, Claudia. GoPro, the camera company, comes to my mind first. The ideas behind it get me excited every time. Oh yes, GoPro. It was started in 2002 by Nick Woodman, who initially sold bead and shell belts from his van to fund the company. Mind-blowing, isn't it? Selling something totally unrelated to generate initial funds. That's extreme bootstrapping. Very true, motive at its finest. But note, Robert, the breakthrough came for GoPro when they launched their first digital hero, a wrist-worn waterproof digital camera. It generated $150,000 in sales, and suddenly a whole new market was discovered for outdoor hands-free cameras. Yes, the digital hero. That was when GoPro started to make a real name for themselves. The identity of the brand, which they established while they were bootstrapping, still stands true today. Good point, Robert. What's fascinating is Woodman's discipline and risk acceptance. Could it be that these traits enabled him to bootstrap GoPro into a billion-dollar business without investor pressure? I guess so, Claudia. Bootstrapping certainly seems to build resilience and perseverance. Let's also mention MailChimp, which became a billion-dollar business, without taking a single dime of outside funding. Ben Chestnut and Dan Curtius bootstrapped it, and it's now one of the most successful email marketing companies. The discipline and commitment to customer value it takes to bootstrap a company to success like MailChimp, it's truly remarkable. I concur, Robert. They prioritised robustly and put the profits back into the business, fueling its growth. Bootstrapping can be a virtuous cycle if executed well. So, bootstrapping can be as powerful as funding from venture capitalists, perhaps even more empowering in terms of control and pace of growth. Claudia, isn't it something how these companies manage to switch gears from bootstrapping to fundraising? It's a real common conundrum many startups face. Indeed, Robert, it's a pivotal point. This transition is major, like a runner shifting pace mid-marathon. They need to carefully identify when they've reached the limits of their personal funds and the business profits. Guess it's a fine line, right? No one would want to deplete their resources, so how urgent the need to switch is. You're right. Startups could identify the need to switch by realising that bootstrapping won't allow them to grow rapidly and facing competitive pressure. And I suppose external factors, market conditions can also trigger the need for fundraising. Like if their industry is seeing a high growth rate, they may not want to be left behind. Absolutely, you said it, Robert. Also, opportunities to scale beyond current resources or acquiring new assets. But remember, it's not a tunnel, more like a sliding scale from bootstrapping to fundraising. So the startups could gradually shift from bootstrapping, where they are using their profits, to where they are raising a small amount of funds. Yes, they can increase the fundraising thoughts as their company grows but it's crucial to have their ducks in a row before going to investors. Having their business model working profitably and proving their concept in the market can help them command a higher valuation. So more prepared they are, the better terms they can negotiate. It's not just about survival, but also about prosperity and growth. For our dear startups out there, knowing when to switch from bootstrapping to fundraising 
might just be the key to your success. Lovely folks, it's time to look at the other side of the coin. So what exactly is fundraising? Fundraising is the process of gathering voluntary contributions of money or other resources. By requesting donations from individuals, businesses, charitable foundations, or governmental agencies. For a startup, fundraising means securing financial support from outside investors. Now I'm thinking, why would a startup consider fundraising over bootstrapping when they have to part away with their ownership? That's a critical question, Robert. Imagine a scenario where a startup has a brilliant business idea. They've bootstrapped it, validated it in the market, and now they're ready to scale up. But scaling up could mean needing more funds than what bootstrapping could offer. Ah, so if they want to grow faster or need to invest in infrastructure or research, they might consider fundraising. Exactly. Bootstrapping might not provide the leverage required for such rapid and extensive growth. In addition, acquiring fundraising means the startup also gets access to the investor's network, their knowledge and expertise, which could be immensely beneficial. So it's not just the money, but the entire package that comes along. Looks like fundraising has its own share of benefits and could be a smart move for startups aiming for major growth. Let's touch upon different fundraising methods. First, there's crowdfunding. It's essentially gathering small amounts of capital from a large number of people, typically via the internet. Yes, and then we have angel investments. These are funds coming from affluent individuals who are willing to invest in startups in return for equity ownership or debt repayment. Typically, these investors provide more than just cash. They often share their insights, experiences and network proving to be a vital asset to startups. Venture capitals are another source. These are professionally managed funds willing to invest in companies with strong growth prospects. VCs not only bring in money, but also a wide network of industry connections and valuable guidance. Apart from these, there are other methods like IPOs, private equity, corporate funding and government grants. Each of these has its own pros, cons and requirements, right? Certainly. And that's why it's crucial for a startup to thoroughly research and understand these nuances before deciding on their suitable fundraising method. Without a doubt. Shall we discuss a notable success story to illustrate this? That sounds good. Back in the day, Uber, a name synonymous with success now, went through multiple rounds of funding. From angel investment to Series G funding, all these helped Uber expand its operations globally at an unprecedented rate. The companies that contributed to Uber's funding are an interesting mix too. From private equity firms like SoftBank to public institutions like Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, demonstrating that fundraising can come from a variety of sources. Such a comprehensive overview of fundraising options makes it clear that there's no one-size-fits-all approach. The choice should be dictated by a startup's nature, goals and market scenarios. One can't overlook the importance of a well-crafted pitch when it comes to fundraising. It's your company's story encapsulated in a narrative that captures your vision, the problem you aim to solve, and above all, why the investor should believe in you. That sounds crucial. Reporting clear financials and growth projections play a role too, right? Definitely. Transparent, realistic and compelling financials are critical to convince an investor about the potential return on their investment. It's essential to showcase clear, achievable and scalable financials, along with a convincing growth strategy for future. So a strong pitch and clear financials. I'm assuming there's more to successful fundraising. Absolutely.
Building a diversified fundraising portfolio is a key strategy we often talk about. Do not put all your eggs in one basket. Seek a healthy mix of angel investors, venture capitalists, and crowdfunding to minimize risk. Remember, a diverse investor base can also provide you with varied perspectives and networks. I see. Having a well-rounded portfolio seems smart, but fundraising is not all rainbows and unicorns, is it? No, not at all. It's an uphill task filled with challenges. For instance, convincing investors to trust in your vision is not easy. Often, being relatively unknown or unproven in the market could act as a major deterrent. Investors might also have reservations about the startup's ability to generate a return on investment, posing another significant challenge. These challenges sound daunting. Any suggestions to cope? Well, a key part of securing investment is perseverance. As an entrepreneur, one should expect countless rejections before finding the right match. Compelling storytelling, comprehensive business plan, evidence of traction, scalability, and anticipation of possible investor queries or concerns could potentially turn the odds in favour. Let's delve into the timing and valuation in fundraising, shall we? Certainly, Claudia. Timing in fundraising is a balancing act. You want to raise funds when you've proven the product market fit shown some traction, and when you're ready for accelerated growth. But you also have to consider the state of the market, investor sentiment and your burn rate. If you wait too long, you might run out of funds. Wow seems like startups need to strike when the iron is hot, so to speak. It strikes me as a risky game, isn't it? Yes, but these are the risks entrepreneurs willingly take on, and it can pay off as well. So, once the timing is sorted, how does valuation come into play? Well... Valuation is where art meets science in the fundraising process. It's a reflection of how much your company is worth in the eyes of the investors. The tricky part is balancing your need for funds and the equity you're willing to give up. If your valuation is too high, investors might balk at the risk. Conversely, if it's too low, you could end up diluting your stake too much. So it's essentially setting a price for your dream. A blunt way to put it, but essentially yes, Claudia. But the beauty of it lies in the negotiation and the shared belief in that dream. If both the entrepreneur and the investor see potential in the dream, then even the complex aspects of timing and valuation can be successfully navigated. Fact to our central dilemma, bootstrapping or fundraising. Comparative analysis, anyone? Well, sure, Claudia. Let's start straight up. Speed. Fundraising is primarily about accelerating growth. When a startup has a mature product and a clear growth plan in place, receiving a round of funding can give it the turbo boost it needs to scale operations rapidly. However, we must note that speed isn't everything. Bootstrapped startups might grow slower, but they often focus more on sustainable growth. This might take more time, but it might also mean less pressure and more control for the founders. Exactly. And it brings us to the next facet. Control. Bootstrapping ensures complete decision-making power for the founder. That's a crucial factor for some entrepreneurs. Fundraising, on the other hand, often means having to answer to external parties, the investors. Oh yes, that's certainly something to chew on. But Robert, what about the culture? How does that factor into this decision? An interesting point, Claudia. Culture is often shaped by how a company is run, how decisions are made and who makes them. Bootstrapping can lead to a culture that values frugality making every penny count. Compare this to a culture that could promote a more aggressive growth mindset, often seen in startups that have completed fundraising. Neither is superior, 
but it's important for founders to consider company culture when deciding between bootstrapping and fundraising. So ultimately, it's a complex balance of speed against sustainability, control versus transparent accountability, and shaping the company's culture. Quite a lot for any founder to analyse before taking a decision. Culture, Robert, it's the invisible power that shapes companies. How do you think bootstrapping or fundraising affects this? It's all about the dynamics that these funding methods create, Claudia. For instance, bootstrapped companies often display a make-every-penny-count attitude. They're driven by hard work and innovation. This create-more-with-less mentality becomes an integral part of their culture. Right. And this risk-averse, evaluation-oriented approach can help build a more disciplined and focused team where every decision can directly impact the company's survival. Plus, switching yardsticks, companies with external fundraising often bring a more aggressive growth mindset. There's a sense of urgency to deliver results and meet investor expectations. This can foster a culture of innovation and competitiveness, but it can also lead to burnouts. Indeed. For instance, if I remember correctly, MailChimp bootstrapped their way to success and established a culture of slow but steady growth with a profit-first approach. In contrast, Uber leveraged massive fundraising to fuel aggressive global expansion, shaping a culture of growth at all costs. Absolutely, and those examples reflect that the funding decision can significantly influence a company's internal dynamics. It might seem like a financial decision, but its implications go far beyond just numbers. It can determine the pace, values, and overall ethos of the company. Let's delve into the realm of investor relationships. In your opinion, Robert, what is the essence of investor relations? In essence, investor relations equates to strategically managing relationships and communications between a company and its investors. It's about maintaining trust, managing expectations, delivering results, and navigating the highs and lows that come with the entrepreneurial journey. And how can founders ensure they keep this relationship in good standing? Transparent and consistent communication is the key, Claudia. Founders need to share not only the good news, but also the challenges they're facing. Investors value knowing they aren't being kept in the dark. But what about during crisis times? How can founders effectively manage investor relationships in such situations? During crisis times, proactive communication becomes critical. Instead of waiting for investors to knock on their door, founders should take the initiative. Sharing the problem along with potential solutions can help build understanding and empathy amongst investors. Also, it's crucial to be open for feedback. Share, listen, iterate. That's how relationships strengthen. It seems it all drilled down to communication as a potent tool. But what about those scenarios where investor expectations differ from the startup's vision? That's a tough spot, Claudia. However, in such scenarios... Having a candid conversation and explaining your stance works most often than not. After all, both parties share the same end goal, making the business successful. A founder's job is to lead the way, even if it means politely pushing back against a well-intentioned investor. True, Robert, communication, as they say, is king. But resources to implement these strategies are also equally critical. That brings us to a whole set of tools and resources that startups can leverage. I must admit I'm not an expert on this. What are those tools, Robert? Good point, Claudia. Bootstrapping or fundraising, having the right tools can not only make the journey smoother but also more efficient. Let's start with project management. 
be it Asana, Trello, or Monday.com. These help teams collaborate and meet deadlines while keeping everyone in the same loop. On the other hand, tools like QuickBooks and Xero can help manage your finances, especially relevant for bootstrapped startups. Do any of these ring a bell, Claudia? I've heard of some. Asana and Trello indeed have made it easier for remote teams to collaborate. It's interesting to see how readily available and fitting these tools are. But what about fundraising? Surely there must be tools that can aid in that process. Absolutely, Claudia. For fundraising, startups have different platforms and resources at their disposal. Platforms like AngelList, SeedInvest, Crowdfunder are just some examples that help startups connect with potential investors. Additionally, fundraising is not just about getting finances, but also about managing relationships with investors, and platforms like Carter help startups manage that aspect by maintaining cap tables, company shares, valuations and more. Quite detailed, Robert. Thanks for the insights. But just having and using these tools isn't enough, right? How should startups optimally utilise these resources and tools? That's a great point, Claudia. It comes down to how these tools are used. Be efficient with the tools. Use them to their strengths. Make them a part of your operations. Incorporate them into your workflows. Also, training the team to use these tools effectively can increase productivity drastically. To illustrate bootstrapping, think of GitHub, the world's leading software platform. They bootstrapped for five years, quietly growing and refining their product until users started to adopt it en masse. Interesting, Claudia. GitHub was eventually bought by Microsoft in 2018 for $7.5 billion. They thrived by focusing on the product and not being distracted by pleasing investors. Now that's a bootstrapping success story. Definitely. But what about fundraised startups? Can you share an example, Robert? Certainly. Think about Airbnb. From a simple idea of renting air mattresses, they've been able to raise billions by convincing investors of their vision for the sharing economy. We know how that turned out. A unicorn startup with a hugely successful IPO. Of course, these instances of extreme success are outliers, but the lessons to be learned can apply to any startup. Certainly, Robert. Looking at both those cases, it comes down to understanding the nature of the startup and its goals. GitHub maximised their bootstrapping approach, while Airbnb capitalised on fundraising. Remember, it's not a one size fits all approach. Right, Claudia. For GitHub, Mastering the art of bootstrapping paid off. For Airbnb, going the fundraising route worked in their favour. The choice between bootstrapping or fundraising is highly contextual, and it's ultimately up to the startup to decide on their journey. Robert, we've covered a range of thoughts on bootstrapping and fundraising today, but I'm certain our listeners might have queries as they apply these concepts to their own businesses. Right? For sure, Claudia and it's important that they bring their unique scenarios to the conversation. After all, as we've discussed, the choice between bootstrapping and fundraising isn't clear-cut and definitely not one-size-fits-all. It's contextual. Exactly, Robert. Our listeners need to understand that their own startup circumstances and goals significantly influence this decision. I encourage you all to reflect on what we've discussed today and ask yourselves... Can your startup thrive on its own with slow, organic growth? Or do you desire rapid scale and are comfortable relinquishing some control over your startup? Those are excellent questions, Claudia. And you should also be thinking about whether you're comfortable with the risks involved in bringing outside investors. 
or you'd prefer to shoulder the financial risks yourself. And remember, committing to one path doesn't exclude you from the other later on. Many startups initially bootstrap and then go on to raise funds. That's so true, Robert. Also, consider the impact on your company culture. Will having investors influence the way you run your startup, and can you handle that shift in dynamics? Absolutely, Claudia. And while you're considering these questions, remember there's no shame in reaching out. If you're unsure, consult with mentors, network with startup founders who have been in your shoes before, and don't hesitate to share your thoughts and questions with us. Great point, Robert. Remember, your path is unique and so is your choice. Neither bootstrapping nor fundraising is an easy path, but making an informed decision is the first step to success.